Uh, take your bulletin and your Bible, uh, if, even if that's on your phone. Um, we're going to have some notes that uh, I want you to write down, and there's going to be a lot of scripture that we're going to get to this morning that you're just probably not going to be able to catch up in time, and I do want you to write those down and uh, maybe revisit them this coming week. We're going to start in Luke chapter 9 and then jump over to Titus. Uh, we're going to hit a number of other places in scripture, but that's where we'll start this morning. Um, just as you're uh, getting that ready, let me say, uh, Pastor Beth and 28 uh, kids from our kids' uh, ministry are at camp this weekend. They left Friday and they'll be back on tomorrow afternoon, I believe. Um, tomorrow late morning, early afternoon. Um, be in prayer for them, just what God's doing in their lives. They've had a terrific time till this point and we're expecting God to continue to do amazing things in their lives. You heard Pastor Luke about camp. I truly believe that there are those, just those special events in kids' lives where, where God wants to speak to them. It's kind of like they, they get to this point where they're, they're quieting them, themselves down to a point where uh, just more in tune with what God wants to say to them. So uh, be praying for them as well as upcoming uh, youth group camp. Um, if you were a part of Sunflower Camp, speaking of camps, this week, uh, raise your hand, will you? Um, we had an amazing, let's give these guys a hand, all right? Uh, an amazing time at Sunflower Camp. For those of you who don't know, Sunflower Camp is a special needs camp put on by a number of churches here in town and a number of organizations in our community. Just fantastic uh, ministry that goes on. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this past week, this place was crawling. More than 500 people, 180 campers, uh, tons of volunteers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping. Um, you may notice the mud out in our back parking lot here. Um, they had those uh, four-wheelers going in our backyard, basically. Mud was flying and, and uh, the campers were having a fantastic time. There was music, singing, um, worship, just a great, great time uh, for all. I want to uh, call out and, and really give some props to Pastor Elaine for all of her hard work. Um, an incredible job she did with the team. Um, I she would say much more than the work that she did. I need to uh, draw some attention to someone who will not want me to draw attention to them, but Jana Tate, you just knocked it out of the park, Jana. Um, thank you for all your, your hard, hard, hard work well ahead of the week, and it wouldn't have uh, gone off like it did without you. I know there are many, many others. I'm looking out here, uh, just so many people who gave time, energy, effort, and uh, uh, thank you. You know who you are. Um, if you know somebody, you saw somebody raise their hand, just would you thank them because it was a, a blessing. It really was. Well, we're continuing our series uh, called Say Yes. And this morning, I want us to uh, talk about saying yes means saying no. And we'll, we'll explain that in just a bit. But uh, to this point, we've been talking that, that God is always, since the beginning of time, initiating um, an interaction with us, initiating uh, a relationship with us, those created in His image. And He wants us to respond favorably. He wants us to respond with uh, that affirmative response of yes. And that yes requires some movement. And as we move in that direction that He's called us to, supernatural things take place. Amazing things happen. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Noah. We talked about Jonah. 
You jump into the New Testament, and every time Jesus uh, approaches someone and calls someone either to follow him or, or, or speaks life into them, there's a, a response that's necessary. To the blind man, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And as the man got up and, and moved and washed, there was a miracle that took place. To the lame man who he said, take up your mat and walk, it required that lame man to actually move. And as he did, there was a miracle that took place. And I believe that, that, that consistent theme is throughout Scripture, and God wants to do that in each of your lives today. Calling us and wants a favorable response. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Here again, Jesus is calling uh, some disciples, those who would follow him. Verse 57, it says this, it says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And we see this repeatedly over and over and over again. Jesus is saying, come follow me. I want you to respond. I want you to say yes. I want you to move in my direction. And for each person that Jesus called, not only was the requirement to follow him, but it was the requirement to stop what they were presently doing and move in his direction. Uh, this week, um, I think it was Thursday night, uh, um, Dana and Gabe were heading out to a dinner and a movie, and I'm like, you guys aren't going on a date without me. I, and I was in the middle of, I was on the computer, I was on the phone, I was talking to somebody, and they're heading out the door. And I'm like, um, no, but I was torn. It, it's like, okay, I, there's stuff I hear, but they're going, and what did I have to do? I had to shut my computer, close the, and I had to hang up the phone. I had to hit the, you know, hey, bye, talk to you later. I had to stop doing what I was doing in order to go with them. It's the exact same principle. In order to follow the Lord, in order to say yes to Him, we have to stop doing some things that we are doing. Saying yes requires us to say no. And the, I'd, love it, I'd love to say this is easy. I'd love to say, make the choice, do it. There's a struggle though. Uh, a number of months ago, I preached a sermon, uh, a sermon series uh, called The War of the Wills. I think it might have even been a year or so ago. Where we talked, it went through Galatians 5. The, the flesh is at war with the spirit. The spirit is at war with the flesh. This is something that's, that's ongoing and something we continue to struggle with. I want you to turn to the book of Titus. The um, book of Titus is near the end of, of the Bible. If you find Hebrews, turn left a couple of books. It was Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. But this is a letter that Paul wrote to Titus. This is a church leader. And um, he was leading this church on the island of Crete. And uh, what was going on there? There were some false teachers there. and, And their idea of spirituality was this... um, this ritualistic holiness, a ritualistic purity, or purifying themselves. 
And, and they were requiring this out of the, the people in the church. And yet, the, the spirituality was lacking. They, they proved that they didn't know God. Look at uh, verse 10 of Titus chapter 1. Paul says this to, to, uh, to Titus, the church leader. He says, for there are a lot of rebels out there. Some versions say uh, rebellious people. They're full of loose, confusing, and deceiving talk. Those who are brought up religious and ought to know better are the worst. Paul, in fact, is telling Titus, I want you to be aware that there are these people in your church. There are these people who claim to follow Christ, and yet something is askew. Something is, is wrong. Verse 16, he continues. He says, these people, these rebellious people, or these rebels, claim to know God, but their actions, or by their actions, they deny Him. So in their beliefs, they were saying all the right things, but in their actions, there, there was a disconnect. They were incongruent. Their actions weren't backing up their beliefs. Praise the Lord, that doesn't happen anymore, does it? <laughs> Praise the Lord, we're exempt from that here at Crossroads, right? Right? In Western Christianity, we claim to know Christ and yet our hearts are far from Him and our actions deny that. Christians who believe but don't have victor victorious lives. They don't live victorious lives. Christians who are checking off all the boxes, attending and giving and singing and participating, maybe even leading in certain areas, but for the most part are unchanged. Think of Jesus in Mark 7. He talked about those who, who honored Him uh, with their mouths, but their hearts were far from Him. He called them out. This doesn't make sense that a, a, a Christ follower wouldn't be transformed, wouldn't be changed. You see, when a Christ follower truly surrenders his or her life to the Lord, there is a transformation that should take place. It's unfortunate that for some people that's not the case. Uh, there's a uh, cartoon I saw this week. Um, it's out of the CR ministry. And it's this, moth, or this uh, caterpillar looking at the moth and saying, you've changed. <laughs> and the, the, the moth saying simply, uh, we're supposed to, right? You've changed. What's gone on? Well, isn't this what's supposed to happen? When Christ comes in, when we surrender our lives to Christ, there should be a metamorphosis. There should be a transformation that takes place. We should be different. We should be changed. And yet, all too often, there's not. And this is what Paul was telling, Tim, or was telling Titus. That within the Cretan church, this was going on. There were people who were claiming... Christ is Lord, and yet there was no transformation taking place. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2 of Titus. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. It compels us to say no to things and to live different lives you see, the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, that which took place on the cross, is transformative for each of our lives. It changes us. 
It's not without effect, Paul says. In this letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, you were once dead in your transgressions and sin, but, but through Christ you've been raised up to life. You've, you've crossed over from death to life. A change and a transformation has taken, uh, taken place. And he says, it's by grace you've been saved. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. This grace, the cross of Jesus Christ, is what influences us. It provokes us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to turn from sin and selfishness from the flesh and to turn from Him and have victory over the flesh. The flesh is at war with the Spirit. The Spirit is at war with the flesh. We can have victory. He died for me, so I'm going to live for Him. It's a decision, it's a choice, it's an invitation. Turn over to the book of James. Like I said, you might want to grab a pen and just start writing references down because I'm going to clip through these pretty quickly and you might want to, I'd encourage you to go back and look at these uh, even this afternoon. James 3 verse 9. James picks up on this encouragement that he has for Paul, that Paul had for Titus. He says in verse 9 of James 3, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. James 3.9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. You get that? Who have been made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be, James says. This shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? He's going, this should not be the case. This should be sending off alarm bells in your life and in your heart and in your mind. Those who claim Christ as Lord, those who have surrendered their lives to Christ, when there's this incongruency in our lifestyle, alarm bells should go off. We need to make this decision to serve the Lord. Dana, as she was leading worship last week, talked about making a decision to worship. Each and every week as we enter in this place, it's your decision. We don't force you. We don't come up behind you. Maybe we should, Barry. Uh, maybe we should have people come up behind you. Okay, lift your hands, you know. Hey, worship. Sing louder, you know. Have this whip. You're not, whip. You're not singing loud enough. No, it's a choice. It's your choice. Dana said last week, not making that choice is actually making a choice. It's your decision. But the invitation is there. The invitation remains. It always has and it always will. So this morning I want us to look at, uh, like I said, we're going to jump through some scripture. I want us to look at Peter and Paul and James. And that, that was a band back in the 70s, but uh, no, that was Peter, Paul, and Mary. But anyways, <laughs> we're going to look at some, that's going way back, sorry. I am 51. But I want you to write these down. And we're gonna, first of all, uh, 1 Peter 2. And this is all part of this encouragement. It's been there since the early church and it's going to continue until the Lord comes again. But it's our decision and we can have victory and we can make an affirmative decision. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, this is what Peter says. He says, so get rid of evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of speech. And just hold it there for a second. The, the, the Greek in that get rid is, is this, this word that, that means, okay, it's, it's leave that behind. 
So remember, think back when you were a kid and you were playing with uh, Hot Wheels and Legos and Barbie dolls and, and all these kid-type things. There came a point where those came out of the toy box less and less and less, and you started being uh, uh, attracted to other things, other toys, other, other um, hobbies, other um, uh, leisure things, sports, or you name it. Less and less and less, those toys uh, were... were the focus of your attention and you took a focus on other things. This is the word that, that Peter is using here. Leave those things behind and move toward new things. Verse 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Saying, long for it, desire it. And as we surrender our lives to Christ, this becomes our, our new reality, our new attraction. It's like Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, you don't need to turn there, but he talks about there was a time when I was a child and I thought like a child and I, I desired like a child and I acted like a child. He says, but there came a point when I put childish things behind me and I started, I started acting mature and I, uh, those things became more and more of a reality in my life and those childish things became less and less in reality in, myself, uh, in my life. Be done with those things. Be done with deceit. Be done with hypocrisy. Be done with jealousy and unkind speech. Turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 19. James says this along similar lines. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. And this is the same Greek word that, that uh, Peter used. Get rid, leave it behind. And humbly accept the word of God, the, the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Put away the former things. Put away the old things. You know, if you were to go up to a, a car dealership today and, uh, and buy a new car, chances are you would leave the old one behind. Would you not? Brand new car, uh, you know, I um, forget who it was uh, recently, they got a new car and they drove it by the church and I'm like, oh, can I just smell the new car smell? Can I just stick my head in the window and just smell that new car smell? It's just, oh, I don't want to go back to my car. I don't want to go back to my own new car. It's the thing. Would you leave that old stuff behind and would you get rid of it and would you move toward? Put, us, put that stuff aside. Finally, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see, look at what Paul says. We looked at Peter. We look at James. Here's what Paul has to say. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Similar, similarly, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Can you just go back one slide to the, the previous one? Get rid of all bitterness. This is a different Greek word he uses here. It's not just, okay, here are these Hot Wheels and Barbie dolls and stuff, and I'm leaving those behind. This is get rid as in take the trash out. 
Okay, the other day I was walking through our pantry, and um, that's where our trash bin is. And I, I you know, I kind of got a whiff at it, but as being a guy, I'm just like, well, somebody else will take care of it, right? You know, and Dana goes, did you smell that trash? Would you, you please take that trash over me? And I'm like, ah, check, I'll take care of that. Okay, <laughs> it's like, you know, hopefully I didn't diss you. <laughs> no, <laughs> much, I don't think. I didn't smell it, is that what you're saying? Other witnesses. <laughs> I admitted that I walked past a stinky trash bin. <laughs> uh, there is a spiritual truth there, isn't there? <laughs> so, so anyways, what do you do? You don't just sit there and go, I'll let it rot some more. Yeah, I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till... No, you take the trash out. And if it's real bad, you take the trash from the side of your garage out to the curb if it's real bad. You get rid of it. You send it on its way. This is what Paul is saying. Get rid of this junk out of your life. Dispose of that bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Okay, Darren, just land the plane. Okay. I know many of you are going to want to come up to me after this service and go, Pastor, you're reading my mail. And I'm reading your mail because I'm reading my mail. And I love what Pastor Barry says uh, often. He says, we're in church. Can we be honest or can we be real? Um, I'm going to touch on some things. And I want to encourage you just to reflect. And before I do that, here's here's, uh, the encouragement. Know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This isn't a, a, a condemning list. This, if anything, is a conviction list. Because we've been encouraged to get rid of and move away from and and take some things out of our lives. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our lives. And and, and listen, each and every one of us could probably have a list of about 15 or 20 things. I was talking to somebody between the services and I I said, "Isn't, isn't God an amazing God because... You know, I think if he was to go, okay, you got to deal with all of this, we would have that short circuit and the, the circuit breaker would just go, and we'd just give up and you go, boy, we could never get there. But isn't God so grace-filled that he, he points one thing out and says, hey, let's deal with this. And then he moves us on to another thing. And it really, truly is a lifelong process. And I don't want you to feel discouraged about that because there, there's this movement of going from strength to strength and victory to victory. And the more things we are able to say no to, the, the more greatly we're able to say yes and follow the things that he has for our lives. So just an attitude of reflection. Let me read through a few things here. I believe the Lord is calling us to leave behind, to get rid of in our lives. Sadly, these things are in the church. Sadly, these things are in Christians' lives. But we can say no to these things and we can say yes to Jesus. What about anger? Uncontrolled actions or words. Maybe you find yourself being verbally abusive. Using words as a weapon. Cursing or using uncontrolled or unmanageable tongue. You find yourself saying things that you just can't control. An explosive attitude. You find yourself 
in a position of retribution, feeling like you need to get even with someone who's hurt you. I believe, folks, that this is a stronghold within Christians' lives. It's a stronghold within churches. Will you move away from those things? Will you say no to those things? What about coarse joking? Crude or inappropriate humor? Rude comments just to get a laugh? Maybe you find yourselves ridiculing other people, making fun of people at their expense, particularly people who are different than you. Maybe they're a different race, different sex. Maybe they have different strengths or they're in a different financial position than you are. They have a different education. Maybe they live in a different neighborhood. Maybe they wear different clothes. A lot of what we see on social media is people who have a different political view than you do often are made fun of and ridiculed. What about sexual joking? Inappropriate comments? We tend to put others down because we want to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It says a lot about our value and what we believe about ourselves and what God has said about us. Let's set those things aside. Let's put those things down. How about inappropriate behavior? Sinful behavior, habits, addictions. Crossing over the line into suggestive conversations or communication. Crossing the line with people, men or women, we're not married to. Inappropriate talk, inappropriate touch. Sexual innuendos, sexual references, sexual advances. Pushing boundaries, crossing lines of relationships or marriages. This should not be the case. You need to move away from those things. Say no. We're called to be different, given a choice. About questionable practices, financial practices, business practices. Any of you here own, a, own your own business? You're part of a, a corporation, you're part of a business. Inappropriate hiring or firing practices. Maybe you find yourself exploiting employees or exploiting the company. Not paying your bills on time. Maybe it's theft. Maybe it's deceit. There's someone in our church up in Illinois and uh, had his own business, owned his own business, and we'd get together often and he'd say to me how often, he, you know, his prayer is that God would bless his business and bless his company that he had. He was self-employed, owned his own business. And the more we'd get talking, he would share with me how he'd pay his employees and it was under the table. He'd pay them cash. Other people who did work for him, he would take the longest time that he could to pay them. And I said, brother, you're asking the Lord to bless your business and yet you're doing things illegally. Do you truly want God to bless then will you say yes to his way of doing things and say no to the way that you want to do things? 
See, there's a fear that if we don't look after ourselves, then who will? Talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? How about bitterness and envy and jealousy and even hatred? We often get on the receiving end of hurt, hatred, animosity towards us, and we feel the only way to deal with it or handle it is to respond in kind, turn it around and get even. We lower ourselves to childish, silent treatment, spreading rumors, we get involved in character assassination. And this is something isn't far from us and from our community. Something that's made headlines in newspapers and even here in Wise County. Christian leaders, the animosity and hatred and loathing and rumors and lies and character assassination that's gone on. James says this should not be the case. But it's a choice we make. Say no to those things and say yes to the things that God has for us. Sadly, Christians set aside the love for the Lord in order to express their own opinions and beliefs and their rights. Church, I believe it's time for us to repent. I believe it's time for us to say no, to get rid, and to say yes to the way God wants us to do things. Once again, not out of condemnation, but it's out of conviction that lives truly surrendered and sacrificed to the Lord experience a transformation. I'm inviting you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Worship team, why don't you come join me up here?